The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Um, wow, what a, what a week it's been. Um, let me just put uh, put this conversation and um, some other conversations into perspective, uh, particularly for our international listeners, uh, but also for those of you who will listen to this podcast, uh, you know, throughout the year or maybe even next year. So here we are on January twenty seventh, last Saturday. Uh, there were marches uh, all over the country, uh, women, uh, but also men, and uh, uh, I guess that covers it, men and women, uh, marching uh, because of their concern and uh, wanting their voices to be heard in this new administration. And even before that, you know, we had an election in November. Uh, uh, some of us were really surprised by the, um, by the election results and whether uh, really happy about it or concerned. Um, it, it really has, has put um, issues, uh, political issues on the forefront. And, you know, in this show, of course, I have always wanted to address uh, museums and their civic responsibility, their role in society, and and uh, you know, uh, regular listeners, uh, you've. Um, applauded that, uh, certainly by the responses that, that I've had. Uh, not every uh, uh, conversation or every guest is, uh, you know, a, a community advocate uh, by any stretch of the imagination. We cover a variety of topics, but, but in truth, uh, the role of museums in civic society is particularly a uh, concern for me and it's something that I have always championed uh, since my early days as a museum professional and reading Stephen Weil who basically said, you know, are you, um, are, are you good enough 
or are you essential? And that's a horrible paraphrasing of that. Um, so everyone, I'm sorry about that. But I, I just wanted to to give a little bit more of an introduction today and a context for our conversation uh, talking about uh, privilege and the role of museums in, that w- in the world that we find ourselves in today. And so my guest, Paula Santos, has been someone that I met uh, through another guest, but she has been so helpful uh, to me over the last uh, couple of months as I just tried to put my own thoughts in order and tried to uh, articulate some things. And so I am thrilled that I can bring Paula to you today, and uh, she and I may retrench a little bit of our past conversations, but really we're looking forward to uh, uh, new conversations as she and I, as museum professionals, both uh, try to try to articulate both our feelings and our thoughts and uh, how how we need to uh, move forward as professionals. So, Paula, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show today. Thank you for having me. I am. I really look forward to this conversation. Great. So, Paula, just so that everyone can get to know you a little bit more, you are, um, you're an educator, you are currently the teacher and student programs coordinator at the National Museum of Art in Chicago, but uh, would you please share with our audience your career path and particularly those things that have sparked your interest in museums? Yeah, so um, I'm currently at the National Museum of Mexican Art in Chicago, um, and I uh, recently, uh, about a year ago, started that position, and I was working primarily in New York City before that um, at art museums and uh, botanic gardens, the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. Uh, as I was reflecting on the idea of what <laughs> led me to this point, um, my first thought was the public libraries um as when I was a child and into my adolescence uh the Los Angeles Public Library is specifically the one that's in downtown Los Angeles um which is where I'm from um it's this beautiful building and uh the library was really the only space my parents allowed me to go by myself to spend time as much time as I wanted and as you know, it was free, so I could spend as much time as possible there. And I didn't quite recapture the feeling of, of freedom um, in a space until I actually started doing school tours at the Williams College Museum of Art, um, which is where I went to school, um, at Williams College. And I was really hooked since then, uh, the possibility of having conversations in the gallery and um, having people express themselves and just art being a great conversation starter and in some ways eye-opener is really what uh, has been top of mind uh, throughout, you know, my work um, in art museums and also, you know, in science institutions, essentially, and especially my work now um, here in Chicago. That's, that's, uh, that's great. I, you know, I, 
I found my my way in uh, in through museums, not not libraries, but it's that that those key components of um, free access. And mm-hmm. I, I know that's difficult for some museums to uh, to achieve, uh, but it is that sense of freedom to be able to explore on your own as a as a child. I, that just resonates for me uh, so so much. So thank you for sharing that. I you know we've uh, all students of museums know that the um, the origins of museums whether they came from you know the natural history cabinet of curiosity or um uh, later in uh, amassing private collections that then might be displayed for others to enjoy i mean you know obviously the people who uh, originated these museums, no matter what their motivation, were extremely privileged. Uh, they had the the access, the financial access. They had the uh, the freedom to amass collections and to then to raise funds or use their private funds to build buildings. And uh, while I I think that that. Um, that singular way that museums have been created is is now uh, you know more of a multiplicity of approaches. Uh, I you know it's it's no one's going to argue that uh, museums originated as uh, examples of privilege in our society, and many of them still sort of maintain this privileged position. So. You know, one of the things that I struggle with, and I really would like to uh, to get your opinions on this, is do you think museums are somehow limited by these origins? Do those origins define them? Um, or do you think museums really can use their privilege for greater good? It's a complicated question because I think my initial reaction is yes, museums are definitely limited by their origins and they need to cede power if they ever want to change. At the same time, I mean, museums are made up of people, like people created them, so people can change them. And there's a, we have such a great possibility and responsibility to change them And uh, when you speak about origins, you know, one of the things I think about is that even this notion of, like, museums being open to the public, you know, like the idea of the public, the idea of, you know, these certain working class people who were complete, like, rubes (laughs) that didn't know anything about art. So the museum was supposed to, like, uh, make them more cultured. And I think that idea still really permeates the work of museums. You know, even in education departments, I, I hear certain professionals still talk about <clears throat> certain communities of students or certain communities of uh, uh, pub- the public that, you know, we somehow are going to bring them culture and they deserve culture um, and that's, that's again, like a very privileged position. Like we museums have the privilege and we are giving it to you. Um, and I always 
struggle against it because, you know, for example, um, we, my museum works um, with uh, many Mexican communities here in Chicago, and Mexican communities have culture. Like, black communities have culture. It's, it's not about, like, we're bringing culture to you. Um, so I think, like, the, that's where the origin really limits a museum. Um, but at the same time, I think certain museums are doing a really good job. Uh, I uh, was very surprised and delighted. Uh, the Queen's Museum, for example, on, on Inauguration Day when um, there was this call to, you know, for a strike, an art strike, uh, they closed their museum in solidarity with marginalized people, and they only opened the museum to make protest signs. Um, I think about our museum and uh, the National Museum of Mexican Art and our museum's origins um, were from a need in the community, the Mexican community. Um, It did not originate from a collection. It did not originate from this idea that we're going to teach these less cultured people about culture. it was truly a social, an act of social practice by, you know, Chicago public school teachers um, about 30 years ago now. Um, so museums have so much potential. I guess I, I should leave it at that. <laughs> no, I I, th- I think you're you're. Uh, I I agree with you uh, very very much. I think that, um, well. One, language is critically important, and I am so pleased that uh, with speaking to to my various guests, I I have learned uh, to be even more conscious of vocabulary. I know when I I had Susan um, Kahn on the show, uh, who had written the book Mounting Frustration and talking about uh, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in the 1960s and 70s and the the genesis of of the uh, the, uh, Harlem Museum and the words that were used uh, that really illustrated how much we kept, uh, we as a museum profession, really looked at uh, African art, African American art, anything that was not Western European, and even to the point of a word that we continue to use, and that is, say, the community gallery in an art museum, Mm -hmm. the idea that, um, you know, somehow we can lessen our standards to allow the community to come in and, and show their art within our uh, you know, with within the framework, and uh, you know, I I do think I like your word seed. I do think we maybe need to get over ourselves uh, a little bit more, and and it's it's difficult because our museology is steeped in mm-hmm. a language of Western European art. Yeah, uh, I think um, when I think about this this idea of seeding power seeding um, some, I don't know, like institutional agency. I think about, um, I feel like my, I have worked in many places that have done really amazing work, um, but it really wasn't until I came here to Chicago where I saw 
a really a completely different model of thinking about museum education and art education, um, where uh, our primary focus at our museum is our education, and we meet people where they are, where whether it's senior center, whether it's after school programs, whether it's a school in the very, very, very far, farthest south southern point of Chicago, or even outside of the city um, in the suburbs. And our focus is how do we use our skills as art educators to teach culture, art, identity, um, without this thing that's that's hanging over us that's like, well, they have to come to the museum. They have to come and, I don't know, pay respect to the collection or whatever it is. So <clears throat> without having that mentality of like, you know, come to church, I think it has really opened my eyes to the way that we can do so much good. I mean, being in, being in classrooms, and just observing and talking to teachers has been pretty much the biggest lesson I've had so far in my career in terms of like, what does it mean to like seed power? That's, those are really good examples. And it it reminds me of, uh, you know, just the difference between saying we're going to work for the community versus working with the community and I, I think that 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 can uh, you know where your where a museum stands on that often comes uh, is demonstrated by whether as you say you're going into the classroom or whether you're forcing those classroom teachers to come to you into the museum and I I, I think that that subtle shift is so critical in in the way we we think about our communities. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, it it when I think about uh, how museums can become vital. You used the word vital in your introduction. Um, like the museum educators, museum professionals going into the spaces of um, the public and listening and really trying and just by listening, trying to pick up things um, where there's need, like where is there need in our public school systems? Where is there need at our public parks, for example? Um, and how do we as a museum, you know, and my museum in particular is very small. <laughs> um, our, our physical space is small compared to, you know, a bigger institution downtown, downtown Chicago or anything like that. And also our staff is small. So it's incredibly critical for us to listen. You know, we have limited resources, so where do we make our biggest impact? And I think that oftentimes I can speak as a, even just as an educator, just like going through just the motions of like, oh, these groups are coming in. These are the programs I have that there isn't that time to figure out like, well, are we fulfilling our, our, our values? Like, first of all, what are our values? And are we vital or are we just busy? 
Right. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to, no, that's, that, that's absolutely the question, but I'm going to cut you off just for a moment. We have to take our first of two breaks. And when we come back more with Paula Santos, uh, talking about our role in our community, are we vital or are we just busy? Uh, we will be back in a moment. Uh, this is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. So stay tuned. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content. And at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. I'm here with Paula uh, Santos, who is um, teacher and student program coordinator at the National Museum of Mexican Art in Chicago. And we're talking today about um, uh, the role of museums and particularly uh, how that is really been more in the limelight these last couple of months. And Paula, I I just want to go back to something actually where you and I started talking is that in, um, I think it was uh, uh, November, early December, uh, the American Alliance of Museums and the Center for the Future of Museums blog had had an article that um, I, I suppose we could even use the word chastised. Uh, the museum community for um, you know sort of being out of sync with uh, the values held by um, you know, a broader uh, swath of uh, of Americans and and that we're somehow out, you know out of step with what's really important in the in the country and you know, maybe we live in our own little bubble. Um, what are you thinking about that now? I mean, it's been a couple of months. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, 
in some ways, I feel like in now thinking about that blog post, I was thinking, well, I feel like that uh, completely misses the point now where, I mean, I think even when we first talked about it, I was thinking, well, I don't think this is a Republican versus Democrat issue so much um, because of who the Republican is. And I think now less, I guess about a week into the administration, so many of the worst fears of marginalized communities that many of our museums serve are becoming true. And if anything, I start to think about, well, what do we define as American society? Like who belongs to that class of people? Um, And also, what are the values that we are trying to talk about? And when I think about American society as I know it, as the public that we serve here, but also I'm even thinking about the public at the Brooklyn Museum in particular, they are American people. Um, They do hold American values. But we can't deny that that's not what our, especially our president, but that's not what many of our politicians count as American or American values. So as museums, then we have to, to be critical thinkers and ask ourselves, well, if there's such a dissonance here, where do we stand? And at least, for me right now, I'm really paying attention. I'm really paying attention not only to my institution and trying to advocate within my institution, but I'm also paying attention to the field and thinking and just seeing like who is who is standing in solidarity with marginalized communities who are American? Who is saying this space is for you and we will work to make this space for you and who's staying silent because those of us who are speaking out, we have this idea of justice in mind and silence is an enemy to justice. And that's, (laughs) those are at least my initial thoughts um, right now, a week into this administration. Yeah, uh, no, and 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 uh, and I think, and some of my thinking, I don't think has has uh, has been as refined as as yours. But but I like your questions a lot. You know, sort of what what are our values? Uh, I do agree with you. I don't think it has anything to do with political labels, and particularly now that I think we're finding that those political labels are a, a little meaningless. Uh, you know, maybe they worked in my father's generation, um, and that's really going back some time. Uh, I, I'm not sure that they that they that they really reflect anything, and perhaps you know, no labels really do. But you know, when I start when I sort of think about you know, what do we as museum professionals? What do we value? Well, you know, we probably wouldn't have entered into this field if we didn't value 
thoughtful conversation, if we didn't value history, if we didn't value self-expression through the arts, whether, you know, and, and I'm a perfect example as a, as a, a scientist, I didn't have a, an awful lot of time in, at university to take a lot of humanities courses because I was taking physics and chemistry and uh, anatomy and things like that. But as I got older, I... I learned to enjoy museums but I and art museums, but I particularly learned to enjoy them when I went with friends who liked a certain period of art or a certain style of art, and then they would get enthusiastic and share with me their thoughts and their insights, and I got enthusiastic because they were enthusiastic. And so I guess I also just, I, I value curiosity. And I don't think that those are particularly museum values as much as they're human values. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like um, oftentimes there's this idea that if you are political, you're necessarily advocating towards a certain political cause. Like, uh, you know, and I think uh, I understand why museums are like, yeah, we're. it's not like we're going to, necessarily advocate for X issue. I, I understand that, but I don't think that it should be, I think that if we have, for example, the value of being in a, an inclusive space, right? Being a, a people's favorite phrase currently is safe space. That's a political stance. Now it's, also an active stance. That means that you have to recognize that, you know, as we were talking about, historically museums are not necessarily safe spaces. Um, Certain thoughts and ideas might not be welcomed in museum spaces. So then as museum professionals, what are we, we doing to make sure that they are safe spaces, that they are places where people want to come and reflect and um, we're starting, at least at our museum, um, I think uh, because we are, you know, a Mexican art museum, um, I think maybe there is this idea that, you know, of course we already value these things. Of course we're welcome the Mexican community, but um, we thought it was important for us to put it in writing and say, like, we stand in solidarity with marginalized communities. Uh, you are welcomed here. We will make sure that your rights and your ideas are valued. Um, and we want people to engage with art in ways large and small. Um, and, you know, that is a political stance. Um, but I don't think it's a controversial one. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe this is another bubble um, <laughs> we're in. <laughs> but I, I, I don't see why that has to be um, controversial. Well, I, you know, it occurs to me as, as well, and something perhaps that, that as museum professionals, we are guilty of, uh, you know, just by omission, and that is that just because we... You know, everyone who works in a museum has a great museum story, whether it's from their childhood, whether it's from later in life. I mean, you 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 wouldn't have 
you have to have a great museum story or you never would have occurred to you to work in one. I mean, no one stumbles into a museum, particularly now. It's not like it's great pay and it's not like, you know, you're going to become famous. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you do it for, for something internal. So, but I, I think... And I think I've been guilty of this, you know, because you and I and a couple thousand other people work and love museums, we think that we forget that maybe we have to define what a museum is, but more importantly, that it's okay to visit one. And I think that the statement that that you just made is that kind of uh, of consciousness saying to other people who you know, why would they have any way of knowing? Um, you know, maybe they see these big, beautiful buildings and they, they say, oh, you know, I'm not, uh, I couldn't possibly be welcome here. You know, so I think that, that by being a little more overt and uh, just acknowledging it, you know, yes, we want you to come. Yes, this is a, this is a safe space. Yes, we respect you. Uh, I think that those are very powerful statements beyond uh, politics, and I'm, and perhaps that is one of the first steps that all museums can do a better job of of doing is just acknowledging that you know we may seem scary at first, but we really don't mean to be. Help us not be so scary. Yeah, I think one um, one point I do want to make that <clears throat> it's. Um, I'm still processing, but um, so at least our museum made us, you know, this statement of solidarity. Um, and <clears throat> things in the galleries have been good. I, I, however, you know, over the past fall, we had a show that had a Black Lives Matter ofrenda, and there was a sort of a Chicago, the Orlando Pulse ofrenda, and you know, an ofrenda is like an altar to honor the lives of of people, and um, you know, it was something that we took very seriously to have you know Black Lives Matter, you know, said in the galleries, and it really became a vital, critical for us. to say this is a stance, Black Lives Matter is something to be respected, to be discussed, and it's worthy of being here at the museum. And that was our stance. Doesn't mean everyone agreed with it, but, you know, it's something that's happening all over the country. It's happening here in Chicago, and it deserved a place in our galleries. Uh, and I think those choices are much harder to make and much harder to uphold um, over the lifespan of a, of a show. Yes, I I think uh, I think that there is a surprising. Um, and perhaps this is where you know some of us also are guilty of being naive. There's a surprising uh, recognition that uh, e- exhibits, policies, programs are not neutral. I mean, no matter what we choose to do, we choose to put something in a show. We choose to not put something in a show. We choose to take this show over another show. It, it's it it is making a statement and uh you know that's 
I think that that's something that museum professionals aren't necessarily haven't acknowledged in the past. And it's something that because of current events, we are having to acknowledge very quickly and rapidly. And, and maybe that's why so many of us are feeling disoriented and unable to make heads or tails of what we're supposed to do. Yeah. It's like, it's like we had talked about before, like these uh, muscles, the, the activists, the advocacy muscles have been weakened <laughs> um, because we've had, you know, relative peace and calm. Um, but now when so many of our values, you know, as private citizens um, are being threatened and um, even in my work, just hearing from our public school teachers that their, you know, children are very scared. You know, they think that Trump is going to come take them from their families. Um, I'm scared for my own family. This is not the time to be neutral. It's not the time to back away. It's the time to start exercising our muscles as a field to create public good. Yes. And, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I want to ask you um, another question, and I'll just warn you, I may, we may have to break in here for another break in a couple of minutes, but I think okay. it, it makes sense um, you know, to follow up here. Uh, one of my concerns, um, it, I suppose an observation, is um, that there's, there seems to be a danger of conflating education with elitism, you know, because we value broad education, you know, that somehow this is a, uh, an example of our elitism. And I'm just wondering, you know, because of your, uh, your background as an educator and also you know, because of the conversations you are having with, uh, with teachers, with other educators in your community, um, do you... Do you somehow see that as a as a concern? Are there you know are there certain educational concepts and vocabulary that really are essential for everyone to know, as opposed to just say, well, you know, this community needs to value this and that community needs to value that? Are we? Um, I I you know I hardly even know how to ask that question. <laughs> well. I don't know if I'm answering your question by uh, saying this, but um, so I think um, one thing that I have struggled with um, when I think about when I write lessons and when I write curriculum is there's so, especially at this time, there's so much in uh, Mexican art and history that could point to like social justice causes that we can make prints and uh, printmaking in Mexico has always been political. We can paint murals, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes I also, you know, have to stand back and say, actually, another very vital thing our students need in schools is just the space to be creative and to make art. And that's, 
not elitist at all. That's such a fundamental thing to be able to express yourself. And in order to express yourself, I don't think there's any particular vocabulary or um, it has to be elite at all. But there does need to be, you know, a little bit of that gentle push, you know, like, of course, I'm going to bring art supplies. I'm going to ask you open-ended questions. Allowing the space to be creative is also an, an act of resistance, even if it isn't, you know, like, here's the history of printmaking. Here's how we have always stood in solidarity with labor or whatever it is. Um, and I think more and more I'm thinking about how creativity is just a way to fortify ourselves. And, and I don't think that's an elitist idea. Uh, maybe it's defined elitist by the way we run programs, which is, you know, a whole other thing. But in and of itself, I don't think that's elitist. Thank you. Thank you. That that uh, that does answer that does answer my question, and it helps me reframe it, I think, as it, when I ask it again. So um, thank you. We're going to take our second break, and when we come back, uh, Paul and I are going to continue to struggle with these issues, so I hope you stay tuned. Uh, remember, you can always reach me at carol.bossard at verizon.net or uh, on Twitter. My uh, my Twitter name is at MuseWrite, so I always love to hear from you, and uh, thank you all for continuing to support this uh, show. It means a great deal to me that I can help you. I will be back in a moment with Paula. Uh, This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content. And at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert.com at verizon.net. Now, 
back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, and I have been talking today with Paula Santos. And Paula, uh, again, thank you so much. You really helped me um, begin to make sense of of what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. Uh, Again, in my experience, uh, when I'm, I can always tell when I'm confused because I can't ask a clear question uh, and so forgive me and, and thank you for being so uh, understanding of that and helping me sort of refine my my thinking on, on where we are um, as a museum community and how that plays into the broader community I, I you know this has been such a great conversation and you said so many valuable things and I'm wondering why how can museums, not, you know, clearly you can, but how can museums do the job of conveying their value to society? I mean, I still think that that's where we're sort of caught. Uh, you know, people say, well, yeah, you know, they collect art and maybe they do fun projects with kids. But, but what you were talking about before we went on break, you know, this idea of, of creating space to be creative um, is really you know one of the one of the most important things that museums do and I would just add curiosity and you know building creating curiosity as well well how do you think we as a field could do a better job of just communicating that to you know our entire nation and that's a really good question and definitely one I've been thinking about with the threat of the NEA funding being cut, um, NEH funding being cut, that we are going to need the public to be an advocate for the art and for museums. So how do we get the public to really, you know, fight for us? Um, and I guess the question, the answer I keep coming back to is that we have to be more engaged with what is happening outside our doors. We have to walk outside of our doors. We can't be enclosed in our offices, in our galleries. We really have to be out and out getting to know people, relationship building, um, and the activist community, you know, things like direct action are so vital and organizing is all about relationships. And, you know, in museums, because we're taking care of our objects, because we have school field trips, it feels like that's our world, the museum space, but our world has to be bigger, it has to be outside of our doors. And, you know, uh, one thing that... Um, at least a couple of museums I admire do, is uh, they also make their space available to community organizations for meetings, for professional developments, for, you know, other organizations, um, uh, for activist groups. I I know that our museum definitely, like, uh, holds, uh, at least the space is rented for fundraisers, for, like, uh, community um, events uh, here, and it, you just have to increase our footprint, I would say. At least, I mean, I, th- this is my perspective from Chicago, um, where there's such a uh, an energy around organizing, um, an energy around political activism, that that's, that's where my thoughts are. 
currently. You know, that, that uh, thank you for that. And it reminds me, too, of a, of a theme that really has been running through uh, uh, responses and, and uh, uh, opinions of many of the guests on the show. And, you know, the, the, uh, this goes back two and a half, uh, almost three years since I've been doing the, this show. And whenever we, we get to the, uh, you know, the question of, well, how do you as a certain museum or a historic site or a science center or, a, you know, fill in the blank support, uh, you know, how do you um, communicate your value to the community? And so many colleagues have said, said, well, I go out into the community. Uh, if the community has a certain activity or a certain need or a certain uh, committee that needs to be uh, involved, it you know, doesn't necessarily have to have a direct bearing on the museum. But as a museum director, I have a role in volunteering for my community. And I think in a way that it sounds to me as if you're saying, you know, similar things that we actually have to, uh, as museum uh, professionals, make sure that we're just not uh, walking to the museum and the parking lot and going to our homes, but using that, uh, uh, that walk to get out into the community and ask them what they need and, what kind of community do they want? And how can we help as opposed to just saying this is what we can do for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like we, like with everything else with our programs, we have objectives, we have goals. Um, so if we're really wondering like, oh, well, what, do our, what does our community think about our value? Then you actually have to ask them. <laughs> Um, or really figure out, like, okay, well, what do I mean by community? Like, am I just meaning, like, I don't know. It's it's a loaded term. <laughs> yes, yes, and I think, um, uh, I don't think we're going to solve that one today. No. <laughs> uh, but, but, but everybody listening in, you know, the next question, next question I'm going to start asking guests is how they define community. So just be prepared. Mm-hmm. We're going to start taking a little bit of a grassroots poll here. But um, in, we've got, you know, if, uh, just a few more minutes. And I uh, want to talk to you about another issue. I know the American Alliance of Museum, it's January, February uh, issue that just came out, is really talking about workforce equity. Um, what's, what's been frustrating you about you know, conversations in the museum community about this uh, uh, workforce equity? Hmm. I think, I think like, like with anything, so I'm, um, I'm Mexican. I'm a brown woman, I'm a woman of color. I think that sometimes when I think about work equity and I see the voices who are participating around this conversation, it, I think about how I, I wonder who the work equity is for. Um, and I think about, like, if we're talking about wages, you know, like, just as a country, the wages of white women are higher than the wages of Latina or black women. Um, when I think about equity, I also think about, well, uh, hiring practices, like who even has access 
to applying for a job, to being hired. Um, you know, the field has been professionalized to an extent where you have plenty of very enthusiastic uh, young professionals who just want a chance. Um, and, you know, they have really bought into the ideals, but then we have this conflicting um, also desire to include artists, to include people from backgrounds that are not museum-based. Um, and truly, I mean, my I can only speak from my current uh, experience that um, the, the department that I'm currently in um, has people who have worked there for over a decade. And they started working there either when they were teenagers or when they, like, were finishing up college. And they have really grown with the institution. And they hold such amazing passion for the work. And they didn't go to a museum studies program. Um, they, our, our worries about equity are very rooted in the ideas about equity of pretty much in the educational system or even just in the country. I feel like they're quite broader. So when museum professionals speak about equity, I, I really wonder, like, equity for whom? Um, it's a complicated answer. No, no, no. I, 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 I... I do under understand that uh, that that very much, and and you touched on something that I that is concerning me as well. I think uh, uh, this professionalism of of the field. I mean, and that's not to say that museum workers prior to the 1990s weren't professional uh, uh-huh. and didn't uh, you know, continue on and 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 learn their craft, uh, but but. People of my generation learned it on the job, uh, and we uh, we also benefited from mentors, you know, uh, men and women who had been in the uh, in the museum before us, and they they taught us, and uh, we took classes and we read. But most of us don't have masters in in or, or doctorates in museum studies, and I and I do wonder if we've pushed too far in that direction, uh, both in terms of, you know, sort of uh, saturating the marketplace, but also just putting, inadvertently putting up another barrier to people who we really want in the field, uh, but can't, don't have the money or don't even have the, uh, the knowledge to know that that's, you know, the next hoop they have to go through. Yeah, I think I want to add to this point, too, that um, I know you and I had talked before about this idea that, um, you know, because of museum studies programs and because of this professionalizing of the field, it feels like everyone is reading the same things and listening to the same voices and there are a few experts and we're all, like, on board on this, you know, we're all on board um, and I think one thing that I have been trying to break out of, because, you know, I went to a master's program. I paid tons of money to be in it. So I'm not, you know, outside of it. Um, is that I think, especially for the issues that are facing our society and for thinking about how museums can be vital, we have to start reading outside of our profession. Read about police brutality. We have to read about the narratives of marginalized people. 
Um, we have to read about other labor movements. Uh, there's so much knowledge to be had outside of the museum field and in ways that can inform our own um, struggles for justice within the museum field. Um, yes, and definitely I, when it comes to museums, uh, workers, uh, that's very important. Yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I appreciate that. And we're going to have to end on that note very quickly again. Paula, thank you so much, and we will continue uh, to have our conversations. I hope to have you back on the show uh, and to continue uh, these thoughts. And thank you all for listening to Museum Life this week. This is Carol Bossert. Stay tuned. Next week we'll have another show. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.